Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hey there, Lawsy. Hello, international traveller who goes to LA for one day. Hello, international traveller. Let's just go back from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't go to LA for one day. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a, it's a first. I've never <laughs> gone for one day. I've done London before for two nights. That was probably the worst. I remember with Clinique. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I remember that. You did a, you went to a party nightclub. In the day, in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my trip was great. <laughs> How was your trip? How beautiful is Queenstown? It was, it was so beautiful. I've been to Auckland quite a few times but never Queenstown and it was incredible and I skied and I haven't skied for 12 years and I only, well, I've only skied once in my life but I did it I didn't fall over once well done I'm really proud of you I was I was like well I wanted to film myself the whole time to show you that I didn't fall over mm. but it would have been like a long time I so. saw you on the um on the what's the thing when it, you step on it and then it pulls you up Conveyor belt. Yeah, did you go humans? on that? Did you go on the actual <laughs> ski lift? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I started with beginners lessons of for three hours. Yeah. And then the last run, we were allowed to go on the chairlift thing. Oh, great! To the top of the mountain. And How'd then you go getting off the chairlift? I, w- I was so scared because yeah. my grandma had to get a knee reconstruction from she doing got it by one. Oh, oh. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Right. But I had that in the back of my mind oh, the whole God. time. Yeah. My skis got stuck in it once, but then it was fine. Yeah. But it was so much fun. I, I Yeah, it was really, really good. I loved it a lot more than I thought. I thought with my lack of coordination, That's what I it thought, would have been. Be did you? <laughs> yeah, well, I did. the thing with skiing is because your legs are separated, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like snowboarding would have been, I would have just been like roly-poly down the snowboarding hill. Snowboarding is hard. It yeah. is hard. Not for me. Skiing I like because it's like me too. my feet separate. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, I do want to bring something up because you made us talk about it a couple of weeks ago in that you um, told me I should watch a certain program called Working Mums. And for so long I was like, mm, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then I loved it. Yeah. So I, I still, I had that trust. I was like, okay, well, she was right about that show. Oh my God. I've got a long way to go over to the US. Oh my God, look at this. This show Younger that Laura raves about is on. Maybe I should watch it. <sighs> hated first episode, hated the second episode, hated the third one. And I literally, I was like, I've got to stick with this. Maybe <laughs> it's going to get better. I watched 10 episodes and I still hate it. See, but then you watch The Bold Type. But then I watched The Bold Type. Which was my recommendation as well, which, but also yes. a lot of other people. Yeah. I preferred – The Bold Type for me was like a solution to Younger because I couldn't watch Younger, but I still prefer Younger over it. <gasps> so for me, Younger I thought was absolutely ridiculous. What's wrong with Way it? too far-fetched. Absolutely. What is far-fetched even As in mean? like it's not real. There's no way that could happen. And she, I just didn't, I hated the main character. Oh, you know what's really broke my heart is I love her. Nah. Anyone listening, Liza's awesome and she's unco and a bit like, what I didn't just, you I like don't know, about something her? about, uh, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Maybe but I'm lying about my age to you. Maybe it is real. Maybe I'm <laughs> if 42. Anything, you're younger than me. <laughs> but no, it's not. I don't know. I just, I really gave it a go. I gave it 10 episodes and then I decided on the 10th episode, okay, that is a fair crack. You still don't like it. I think give up. And we then need I found the feedback type. on this. What? I feel like guys tell, tell no, us if you was, like younger. There's a, a lot, lot of people. people like I know. It. That's why I was like, I'll give it 10 episodes because a lot of people, it wasn't just you, but the bold type I am really keen on. I've watched, I think, the whole, no, how many seasons? Um, I think I got to seven or 10 episodes of the bold What's type and I really character? liked it. Um, I'm trying to remember their names. Disable, um Oh, the uh, Sutton. Sutton. I, I love, love Sutton. his style. I love Sutton. Yeah. Um, 
I love Sutton. I love... I love a lot of the characters. I think that's why I like it better than... Okay. Because in the other one, Younger, I like didn't really like any of the characters. Hilary Duff? Literally the only... Yeah, but I didn't like her character. I love Hilary Duff, but I didn't like her character. Wait, okay. Who did you like out of Charles and Josh? Charles is the older guy that owns the publishing house and Josh is the tattoo guy. Tattoo guy. Yeah, I thought you would say yeah, that. Yeah. Me too. But I did think about it. It was like one of those moments, like an Edward Cullen or... Jacob Black kind of moment from Twilight, like whose <laughs> team are you on? Um, but yeah, I think Tattoo Guy. But he was literally the only character I liked. I didn't like any I'm of the girls. I'm very interested by that. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if it was the actors. I don't know if it was their characters. That makes me sad. I love <laughs> Younger. It's okay. We can connect on bold type. Anyway, enough of TV. We've <laughs> got a, a very... Lauren Steph's uh, <laughs> trying each other's recommendations and then getting mad at each other live. <laughs> Well, it's actually not live, just the day before. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Okay, so today's podcast is actually a very good one to listen to. We know, I mean, I know it's it's definitely a very helpful topic. I think I need to always go to people for this kind of topic. And it's something that comes up a lot, particularly um, with you younger girls. Like, mm. It's one thing I wish that they taught us more in school. I think this needs to be a subject that everyone needs to go yeah. through in school. So do you want to talk about what to expect in this podcast. It is all about money. Mm-hmm. So it's with Victoria from She's on the Money, which is a shameless media podcast, and mm. we love it. And we love her insights. That's why we thought we'd have her on the podcast. But we didn't want to go too much into investment stuff. It, mm. It's quite a basic kind of level of questions that mm. we had, I suppose, that we just thought it was all the things that we would love to know. So I think you guys will really enjoy this one. Hi, Victoria. Hi. I just I just accidentally called Victoria Vic and I got in big trouble. No, no I didn't, but I felt so bad. So you it's asked. Victoria or Tori? It's Victoria or Tori or whatever you would like to call me if I've been naughty. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on. I think this podcast is all about helping women with things that we find interesting and we learn from. And I feel like in, in school and even in uni, the one thing you don't learn is how to manage your finances. No, but you know how to do algebra really well, don't you? Yeah, which is, you know, great at the time if you become a mathematician. But um, I think it's kind of for women, especially managing your financing, finances is something that's really serious and, you know, it can set you up for your future. And I would love to get some insight from you because you are amazing at what you do. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I hate when people give me compliments. I'm always like, oh, how do you take this without being rude? <laughs> I have heard you speak a lot on your podcast about putting money away from each pay. Yes. To encourage saving. Yes. So I wanted to start off by talking about that because I feel like it might be a really good way to save and you can set up automatic transfers, I suppose, which helps. Yes. But what are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts are on saving are often that people start too late. Mm-hmm. So there's this mentality that I'll start when I have enough money or I'll start when I earn more money or I'm a student so my income's really erratic, I can't save yet. I think it's a lot about people hindering themselves by accident Mm. and being in a position where they think, oh, it's only $50. Like what impact can this actually have on me long-term? And the answer to that is one, it's going to impact you long-term because you're getting in the habit of saving. And two, $50 today is worth a whole lot more than $50, you know, 
10, 20, 30 years down the track. And that impact really just compounds over time. I think it's really important to start yourself off with the right habits. And, you know, it's like saying, I'll go to the gym when I'm fit. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen, right? Like you go to the gym to get fit. So why would you start saving when you have a big income as opposed to when you're just starting small and learning? That's a very good point. So how much from each pay do you recommend putting away? Is there a percentage? So I like clear figures and I know everybody else likes to hear a specific amount. I try really hard to myself and with my clients work towards 20%. Mm -hmm. Now that 20% could sound really overwhelming to a lot of people because it is actually a lot of money. So I'm not saying go today and start saving 20% of Mm. your income. That's something that we work towards. It is not something that we just off the bat are able to do, but it's something that we are working towards over a lifetime. It's something that maybe you're not able to do all the time so maybe you're able to do it this month but not next month or maybe the month after it's not going to happen either but that's okay I think it's about having a goal in place but I also think it's about having a goal that is really achievable for you so if you have a lower income and you know let's say you're a student you're earning twenty thousand dollars or less I think I looked at my first paycheck for my first year of work and I think it was about I think I got paid in cash actually (laughs) (laughs) I think was about 13 or something. Mine would have been about the same, yeah. to be honest. Like, I remember first year uni and going, how am I even going to survive this? But you do. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so surprised with the lifestyle I lived while I was a uni student. Yeah, and you make back, do. You make mm-hmm. do. But also, looking back, I went out a lot. I had a lot of, like, social occasions I went to. And even nowadays, I'm like, how did I afford that? But I made it work. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's really important to make sure that you're not setting unrealistic goals for yourself of either. Course. Like, saying 20%, like, that's really aspirational. If you're a student and that's how much you're earning, that's not realistic. It's mm-hmm. something you're not going to achieve. So don't put that on yourself. In fact, if that's not something you can achieve at all, like, please don't feel like we are trying to tell you you have to do that or you're of failing. Course. It's about putting away what you can afford because it's going to help yourself later down the track. It's about saying, I've got an extra $50 here. I'll just spend it on a top or a dress or something. It's about saying, oh, actually, I'll put that away just in case and creating a little bit of a buffer for yourself so you mm-hmm. feel secure. Even if it's 10% to start with, because I know, especially like when I was at uni, I actually had to defer uni to be able to buy a car because I struggled so much to save for my car and study at the same time. Yeah. So I ended up deferring a semester and I worked in the day in a hospital and then I worked at night as a waitress to save for it. And that oh, was wow. my goal. I mean, that was, I was probably maybe putting 50% of my income into that goal, but I was very lucky because I was able to live at home. Yeah. So that was, you know, I, I acknowledge my privilege there because in some circumstances, if, you know, you live at unique campus or you have to rent while you're at uni, it can be really hard to save. It can save. be really tough. And like, yeah. I'm not saying let's save 20% because we all should be doing that. Mm. I'm saying that because I work full time and I have the capacity to yes. do that. Um, I remember being at university and I was actually working three jobs to make do. I was renting in the CBD. I worked a waitressing job. I worked a retail job. And then I did like casual events and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing all of that. I was probably working 40 plus hours a week because I knew I wanted to go to university and I knew I had to, you know, pay my way and I wanted to be saving. So that was a choice that I was making. Mm -hmm. But uni life and making money and managing a social life, it is so hard to make that balance work. And I don't think enough credit is given to students who are making it work. Oh, 100%. And I think another thing that I wanted to talk about is that 
especially when I finished school, I thought I had to start saving for a deposit for a house straight away. Oh my gosh, no. And <laughs> I think that's what you think, like, oh, I should put a, put aside a part of my income because I'm saving, you know, it's for my future. But it's not feasible for many students at uni, for some people maybe, but it, it's really hard. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to set a goal to save for a car. And that was my big saving goal. Whereas, yeah. you know, I had friends who were saving for a deposit and that was fine for them, but that wasn't possible for me. It's totally unrealistic for so many people mm. to be saving for a house especially in the current economy like it's it's really unrealistic if you are earning a student wage even if you're earning a graduate wage now I'm not saying that once you get your grad job don't try and save for a house straight away Hmm. definitely you know jump straight in and if you've got the ability to put that 10 or 20 percent away do it like work towards a larger goal but I think that at the moment you just need to be really realistic with yourself Hmm. and I find that if you write down your goal how you're going to achieve it what that achieving it actually looks like and you know map out what that really really looks like Mm -hmm. it's going to become either a lot easier to achieve or it's going to become something that you go oh is that actually unrealistic for my current situation and you can kind of have a little bit of a reality check with yourself and always adjust it I I feel like it would be okay to adjust it because things might come up you know you might need an operation and you might have some out-of-pockets expense and things like that it's always good to have money saved for that so with goals how do you recommend setting them should we set them every month or every two months or six months or just one big goal for saving? I think that goals are something that we should always be working towards Mm -hmm. and checking in on ourselves, right? So like my goals when I was at university are not the same as the goals that I have today. Mm. The goals that I wanted to achieve when I was younger are very different. So it would be silly of me to set my goals then and still be working towards the same goals because those things change. So I think consistently checking in with yourself and making sure that you're motivated to achieve the things you've set for yourself, Mm. but also are they still the right fit? So personally I check in with myself with like a kind of journal entry every three months or so and just review the goals that I've written down for myself either feel really proud or really embarrassed that I set (laughs) some of them so I'm not just talking about finances here like this could apply to anything Hmm. but bigger financial goals as well checking in with yourself every couple of months if you're saving for a house is really helpful Hmm. because you can check if you're on track but also you can go all right I'm really proud of myself I've achieved this little part. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important to do. And even with, you might be saving for a holiday, like, you know, all your uni friends might be going on a holiday and you know that you need to save $2,000. So then if you put aside $20 a week, you can work out how long it's going to take you and just make sure every week that you're actually doing it. Yeah, that is such a good point. And then also to add to that, working backwards Mm -hmm. as well. So if you're saying, hey, I want to go on a holiday to Bali and it's going to cost me $2,000 and I want to go in 15 weeks. Like divide that. Can you actually save that amount per week? Mm -hmm. Are you able to work towards that goal or is that something that's really unachievable for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And then have a look at the way, you know, you're saving. Should you push that goal out? Is that goal good for your situation? Is it not? $2,000 that you need to save for 12 months away is going to be so much easier and maybe a little bit, I guess, less harsh than saying, oh, my friends are going to Bali, you know, next, you know, term break. I need to go. I need to save right now. now." And then slaving away over something that maybe isn't in line with your bigger goals either. Mm -hmm. So if you're saving for a house and you've got FOMO that your friends are going to Bali, like, should you just check in with yourself and be like, look, I really want to go, but it's not actually going to help me achieve my bigger goals. They're still going to be my friends when I get back. Is this something that's actually going to help me or hinder me? 
I love that. And I think it's important to acknowledge as well is that your big goal might be saving to go around the world because I mean, travel and things like that, it's invaluable. But just knowing what that is for you, like for me personally, I am, I've been really lucky with work to be able to travel, but I love home so much. Like I, my, both my sisters have done big trips and yep. saved up for it and then gone on them. But for me, being away from home for that long is just not, not for me. I just I can't, can't do it. I can't yeah. So two years ago, and I know it's two years ago because I keep getting the Facebook <laughs> memories to remind me that two years ago you were in Spain. Yeah. Um, two years ago, I went on a long trip with two of my girlfriends to Europe and I absolutely loved it. Like I would not trade those experiences for anything in the world, but... I remember towards the end of that, I was kind of like, I want to be at home. Like, I just want to go home. I like my place. And my girlfriend's like, I wish this was longer. And I was secretly being like, well, now not so secretly, it's on a podcast, but (laughs) secretly saying, oh, I wish I could go home. Like, I'm I'm a bit done here. Like, maybe I can come back another time. (laughs) Yeah, everyone is really different in that way. So I think it's important to, to remember, even with your own friendship groups, that everyone has different goals for their saving. But I think as long as you have some set that's the most important thing. And I think sharing them as well, Mm. because if you're working towards this massive goal of saving money to go around the world on this massive trip, it's easier to share that goal with your friends so they know what you're working towards instead of always saying no to things. So it's really hard to say say no to an invitation to brunch if your friends don't know what you're working towards. Whereas if you can say no, like it's, it's just not in my budget at the moment. It's not you being stingy. It's actually you saying, hey, I've got something that's going to be really valuable to me that I want that money to go towards. And I think that's a really powerful thing to do. And I think that that way your friends also really respect what you're working Mm. towards. Maybe we'll be inspired to set their own goals, but also maybe we'll help you out a bit by selecting maybe not such an expensive, you know, activity to do together. And I think that's something that's quite hard. Talking about money can be really uncomfortable. Yes. How how do you navigate it? What do you recommend to people? Because it's quite hard to walk into your friendship group and say, hi guys, just so you know, I'm saving. So please. Yeah. And that's not something (laughs) that you can do if you've never talked about it before. Mm. But I think that money conversations have always been taboo. Like Mm. I don't think I Yeah, for sure. Very taboo. Um, And I think we need to really realize that money is a topic that can be not personal. Mm -hmm. So we can have conversations about money. We can have conversations about the way we think money should be managed without telling people how much we earn or what's in our savings account. Like I don't have to tell you what I earn for me to be able to have a really positive conversation about a goal I've got that I want to achieve. I don't have Mm -hmm. to share how much I'm saving per week about that. I don't have to work. I don't have to justify to anybody what that goal is going to cost me either. But talking about you know, the goal in general and that you're really working hard to achieve it, I think is a really positive conversation to have. And it doesn't have to be super personal. You don't have to, you know, spill all of your guts to have a conversation about money. It can just be really surface level mm-hmm. while still having an impact. I think that's really important to remember because I think sometimes if if someone were to say to me, you need to be more open about it, I'd think, oh my God, I have to reveal everything. But it's really your choice. Absolutely. And it's okay not to reveal everything. But if you want to, it's absolutely. Also okay. And there are people who are going to be more than happy to divulge how much money they work Mm. or how much money they earn per hour and others who just feel completely uncomfortable about it and that's okay Mm. but I think we need to open the conversation around money up more so we're talking about hey was money discussed when you were growing up like 
conversation like that is really positive and it actually helps you learn a little bit about your friend's values and vice versa. I think it makes a huge, a huge difference. And it's something that Steph and I talk about all the time and why I think we've worked so well is because we've both grown up having to work from when we were 15 and grown up in a household where, you know, we, we were very lucky to have the upbringing that we did, but we were savers and you know money wasn't always full for me personally like it wasn't always it wasn't in excess I suppose so I knew that it was very special and I had to hold on to it just in case something happened and I think that it's important to yeah to talk about that because if someone has grown up maybe in a household where money's been more accessible and then you might go out for dinner and and they might you know just order all these drinks or something and then they're like oh let's just split it and for you like oh but I didn't drink and you know I'm really careful with my money and then that could make it really uncomfortable but if you're more open about that it might be easier. Yeah. And that comes back to something that I harp on about. So if someone's listened to the She's on the Money podcast already, I'm going to sound like a broken record. No, wait, that's fantastic. <laughs> everybody has a different money story. Yes. And it is so important for you to understand your own money story, but also to maybe share bits of that with other people. If you grew up in a family that didn't have um, much money and it was really special, really scarce and maybe mm. there was a lot of arguments around money you're going to feel a little bit anxious you're it can cause a lot great. of stress that's yeah, actually just talking about it with your friends can cause you a little bit of anxiety purely because that topic growing up caused you anxiety and you might not recognize that here and now in the moment or you know when your friends are talking about it but just the topic could trigger an emotion that you weren't ready to handle and that's why you've been avoiding it. Whereas if you grew up in a wealthier family where money was completely abundant, maybe it makes you feel really empowered to talk about money. Maybe you're in a position where talking about money is really flippant and you couldn't care less. But I think it's really important to realise that everybody has a different story Mm. and money is really emotional and it can elicit different responses in different people. So even when you're talking about money with your friends, I think you need to also tread tread carefully because you could, you know, make them feel a little bit uncomfortable, even though that's not your intention. I love that. Is so I've never, ever, ever thought about that. And I can relate to that so much. I think I relate to money as like from growing up as something that was really stressful in my parents' relationship caused a lot of arguments in the house because I think money is up to a certain point it I don't think after a point you get more freedom from it. I think there's a point where it makes you happy and then after that, you know, people that have billions of dollars, they just want more. Like there's, it doesn't bring you happiness, but I think up to a point it, it can cause a lot of stress. Yeah, it can. And so I associate it with, yeah, uh, like, just a, emotional stress and then also maybe embarrassment as well because you know I think oh I didn't have as much as other people in my life and it's so interesting to think about it that way it's a really interesting I guess story and watching you reflect on it I can see on your face and you're like wow this you know is a thing mm. but I think that that's that's the case for a lot of people like you haven't thought about it before because money has always been talked about in such a transactional way like you have it or you don't mm. but no one talks about how it makes you feel and you're right I don't believe that money can buy happiness but I do believe it can buy financial security Mm. and feeling secure financially is worth so much more. So what about budgeting? Yes. When (laughs) do we start budgeting? How do we do it? You start yesterday. Okay. (laughs) No. So budgeting is really fickle. So I think that people 
think that when I talk about budgeting, I mean, count out every dollar and allocate it to a certain part on a spreadsheet <laughs> and make sure that you're spending your money in line with your budget. I don't, I don't think it's that at see, all. See, when I think about budgeting, That's I, in my head, see an Excel spreadsheet and I'm yes. like, I'm, I can't. <laughs> Please don't get me wrong. I have an Excel spreadsheet that I will freely distribute. Um, I have a really good budget. I worked really hard on it um, and I share it with everybody in the She's on the Money Facebook group. So if Love anybody it. wants it, it's free there but budgeting for me is about being really aware of the money that you have coming in and where it is going. So I don't mind how you spend it as long as it is being spent in line with your goals. And your values. Yeah, and your values. And those two things are really different as well. So I think if we talk about budgeting... I think it's putting it all into a spreadsheet or, you know, on a piece of paper or however you'd like to track it and making sure that you're aware of the fixed costs you've got Mm -hmm. and how you're going to meet those commitments. Mm -hmm. So looking at the way your money is coming in, well, is it consistent? Is it not consistent? Like if you're a student, you're at school or you are, you know, still studying or working part time or, you know, have erratic jobs, it's really hard to budget Mm. because you have all these fixed costs, but your income isn't fixed. Always changing and exams might come and then you you take less shifts and things like that. Yeah. So it's about working out you know, what is my income? Let's mm-hmm. have, have let's have a look at this. You know, I know in January I can make a lot more because, you know, the semester break is on and I'm working back to back shifts. Mm-hmm. And then when the first semester hits, you're going to be, you know, in a position where you can't work as many shifts. Should you be looking at saving more money during the period of time that you are working a lot mm. instead of just having a really good time on uni break? Yes, <laughs> I think that makes a big difference because I feel like when you are in a period where you might be able to work more and earn more money, you start spending it relatively to that money that you're making yes. at that time, but and then I did it might not be time. sustainable. <laughs> yes. No, I did that all the time. So I remember I used to work, used to go back home on the, um, on the uni breaks and I used to work at a couple of wineries near my parents' house and I used to do like back to back double shifts mm-hmm. and like save heaps and heaps of money. But I also went out a lot during that period yep. of time because I felt I was entitled to do so because I was earning so much money at mm-hmm. that period of time. And well, all my friends were around. So I feel like I, I wouldn't say regret, but I wish someone had sat me down and said, Hey, as much as you're enjoying this time, like how about you put some away? So you're not as stressed when uni goes back mm-hmm. and you can afford rent and you can afford to pay all of your bills and you're not going to feel really stressed because that's the last thing you need while you're stressing about uni exams. It's also, yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's, it's so important. And for me, what I do is I, every now and then I'll go into my bank statement for the month and I write out, I, I just like handwriting. It drives everyone in our office mad because they're like, can you just, <laughs> type it. I, I do the same with all of my notes at work. It helps me. <laughs> yeah, it helps me so much to see it. So I write down what I've spent on food. So it might be like Uber Eats and Deliveroo and things like that. And then on if I bought clothes or makeup, those kind of things. And I, I write that all out or travel and then I, uh, or bills and I work out what I needed to spend. And I just look at it to say like, hang on, I've spent you know, things like Uber Eats adds up so much. And it adds up really quickly. Exactly. It? <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And so looking back at that and thinking, okay, I'm going to be more conscious. And that's my version of, of budgeting. No, but that know, is that's, budgeting. So that's, as I said, that's you being aware of your spending and, and what's that's, coming in. Yeah. So I think it can be different. Can it be different levels for, for everyone? It absolutely can be. So I, I'm obviously a financial advisor. So you, you have so a very, I have a crazy spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I have, you know, documented everything 
I spend, I've connected it up to my bank account. So I get my, my downloaded sheet from my bank account. So everything is to the cent. Mm-hmm. That is not necessary. <laughs> that is so <laughs> not necessary. But if you want to do that, you can. And there are apps to help you with that. Yes. What, if for anyone that does want to really start budgeting, what could they use? I really like, there's two things I really like, mm-hmm. actually. So the Money Smart website is okay. a government-run website that has a really good downloadable budget mm-hmm. that you can key everything into. It's really clean. It's quite simple. And then I really like Pocketbook as well. So Pocketbook connects up with all of your bank accounts mm-hmm. and kind of you can budget on there and see where your spending is. But it'll also send you some notifications if you're spending too much. <laughs> so <laughs> so if you're not into being told off, maybe Pocketbook isn't for you. <laughs> but then it categorizes for you, doesn't it? So you yeah. don't have to do it. Yeah. So you can go in and auto categorize or you can set up a categorization at the start and say, you know, this fee is food or this or that. And it's got some pretty smart technology. So most of the time it'll just tell you what category that goes into or you can create custom ones. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's a really good way of tracking your spending and it's very clear. Yeah. And it might be a good one if you, I think sometimes, you know, your your salary might go up or you might take on more shifts. And as we spoke about before you, then you're not saving. And I think it's, you look at that and you're like, how am I not saving? I'm earning more money. But I think it's important to remember that everything's relative. And I have this discussion with my girlfriends quite a bit. It's like, you know, when we were in uni and in in high school, you know, we shopped for makeup at Woolworths. Yes. And then we moved on to Priceline and then we moved on to Mecca. Yeah. And we still have the same amount of stuff, but we're just shopping at different places. And it means that we're not saving as much because, you know, it's all relative. And it's like we used to go out to Grilled. Grilled was like the best dinner. And now we might go to a more expensive restaurant. But if you don't keep track of that, it can mean that, yes, you're earning more, but you actually don't have any more savings. Yeah. Do you know that actually has a name? What is it? It's called lifestyle creep. Okay. Well, there we go. (laughs) It's where your income is always, I guess, in line with your lifestyle. So if you're earning $100 a week, mm-hmm. you'll find a way to spend $100 a week. And then once you're earning $1,000 a mm-hmm. week, you're going to find a way to spend that as well. So that's something that this is why I'm so passionate about working with people who are young and Mm. just starting their first jobs or still at uni because we're in a position where we can teach you habits that you're able to implement moving forward so that I don't have to sit down with you when you're 35, you're earning $100,000 and you're spending every cent of that. Like I don't need to readjust your lifestyle then. You can just learn some really good habits from the beginning, start saving once you get your first job and, you Mm -hmm. know, start having some really good money habits from the beginning so that no one has to realign your lifestyle down the track and you don't ever miss out. I think it's, it's so important and it also keeps things I suppose special because you know going out for dinner you know you don't want to cut that out of your life no. at all because you know you want to have that every now and then you go out with friends but maybe instead of going every week like make it every month or every two months or every six months or whatever it might be for you and I think that's not always a bad thing because then when you go you really enjoy it and you you, you can see how special it is because I think if we start doing things all the time and doing what you just said what's it called lifestyle <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't appreciate things as much no because you become accustomed to mm. so that just becomes the normal um Um, And I think it's about saying to yourself, you know, what do I want my normal to look like? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sure everybody wants their normal to look like fancy dinners all the time. But 
then you don't appreciate things. Yeah. And I think being able to appreciate things is actually really special mm-hmm. and something that a lot of people don't do. Mm, super important. So what are your top three budgeting tips? Oh, top three budgeting tips. It can be things like I know you talk about instead of going out for brunch, like going out for a coffee and, and a walk, things like that. Like what are the top three swaps? So my top three budgeting tips, that's hard. Uh, the first one would be aware of your budget. Mm-hmm. So be aware of your spending and what you are, what you're bringing in each month or week or mm-hmm. whatever you would like to calculate it as um, and what you're spending. Like be really aware of it. Go through your bank account, go through your Apple subscriptions, <laughs> make sure that, you know, if you're paying for something that you're not getting value out, you cut that out. Mm. Um, The second would be have a look at your existing lifestyle and work out what you can swap. So I don't want people to feel like they are missing out on anything, but what can you in your life swap that is going to ultimately save you money? You know, are you buying really expensive shampoos and conditioners? Can you swap them to a cheaper brand by doing a little bit of research to make sure that it still meets all of the criteria that you want it to meet? Can you, you know, go out for a coffee with some friends instead of going out for brunch both days on the week? (laughs) Can you, you know, go and do a workout together or something instead of going to the movies? I've got a good one for that. What have you got? If you've got a very expensive gym membership. You can get There's the a cheap app. solution. <laughs> you can get the kick app. I did. No, but um, whatever works for you. But little things like that. Yeah, tiny things like <laughs> that. But I think it's really important to realise that there are things in life that you think you need that mm. you actually don't. Like we become so accustomed to saying, well, I need my gym membership. Mm. And if you're not actually getting value out of that, why are you holding on to it? Mm-hmm. And maybe having a look at your beliefs and your values around that. Like, why do I need a gym membership? Because I want to be fit. Okay. If that's a value to me, why am I not making the most of it? Mm-hmm. And really, I guess having a talk to yourself, Yeah, it's hard, but having a talk to yourself and saying, I need to change things because I care about myself. It's in a, it's in a way self-care. So, oh, 100%. So it's not a sexy version of self-care, <laughs> but it is self-care and being able to look after your future you is really important. And even if something like an expensive gym membership is something that you value and you love, that's okay. But I think then maybe you might have to make a sacrifice with eating out and things like that. So I think it's, it is okay to, you know, really value some things, but Absolutely. then as long as you're not then doing that in every single part of your life. Absolutely. And I think it's worth looking at your values compared to your friends' values. Mm. Like you might value that really expensive gym membership Mm -hmm. because you're going four nights a week and that's the thing that you get really excited about. But then you've got a friend who spends a lot of money on Pilates classes and you say, well, I don't really like Pilates. Why would she do that? She does that because it's aligned to her values. Mm. And just because she does doesn't mean you need to. So, you know, working out what your values are and what you want to spend on your values is really important. I love that. What about things? to avoid and to watch out for when trying to save lifestyle creep (laughs) (laughs) also things like credit cards so I grew up it's so funny and and Seth's the same I'm scared I've actually just got one but I'm scared of credit cards my mum literally told me they were the devil um I I would literally up until a month ago I was like I'm too scared to ever get one because (laughs) I I really love that (laughs) it was well mum always said if you want to you know go on a holiday then she always said to me and I've still got this in my head that if I she said there's nothing worse than going on a holiday and coming back and having to pay for it when you've already been on it yeah and that's you don't want to pay for a holiday you've already been on 
exactly. And that's been in my head, you know, my whole life. So I am under the impression that if I can't afford something, then I just wait until I save for it. Yeah. But that's not for everyone. If you grew up with credit cards, it's normal. So what are the risks with credit cards and how can you kind of, I don't know, look at them in a different way to help you save more? I think that credit cards are very like, like let's lump let's lump a few things together. So let's go credit cards and Afterpay and ZipPay and all of those things Mm -hmm. that enable you to purchase things without having to pay for them up front. So even if there is a small upfront charge, you're not having to cough up the full amount. Mm -hmm. Let's step back again. Let's step back 50 years. Mm -hmm. If you were going shopping, you either had cash or you had, you know, maybe a lay-by. A lay-by was something where you wanted to purchase something so you knew that uh, if I achieve this goal and pay off, you know, over a couple of weeks or months this lay-by, I then get my reward. It's bringing the reward to the front Mm. and that wears off really quickly. So I think being in charge of your impulse purchasing is really important and whether that's with, you know, the cash that you have in your bank account and just pay pass, I think is a bit of a naughty one now. I was going to ask you, does that affect our spending? It absolutely does. Because you don't even see the money. It does because it it no longer hurts you anymore. It's a cost that you go, it's on my card. I don't don't see it. I don't feel it. Whereas if I swapped and said, okay, how about you take out the amount of money that you spend on food in a week? Like just look at last week, take that cash out of the bank. I guarantee you will not spend it all Mm. because you don't want to part with cold, hard cash. It is so hard hard to do that. Whereas tapping a card, that's really easy. There's no real consequence. You don't have to pass money over and receive something less back. Mm -hmm. And I feel that, yeah, PayPass enables people to make decisions easier. That's the point. Like PayPass exists to make things easier so that they sell more. Um, Something to look out for with credit cards as well is the interest on them. It adds up. um, And it's something that you go, oh, I'll pay that off later. Why, why are you choosing to pay it off later mm. if you've got the money now? And if you don't have the money now, why are you assuming that you'll have the money later? Mm. What's an example with credit card debt? So just say I bought, um, I don't know, I racked up $2,000 on my credit card. Mm-hmm. If I pay that off over, how long could I pay it off over five years if I wanted to? Yeah, if you wanted and to. And how much interest It depends on what credit card it is. Okay. So credit cards float, and this is like really general advice. Yes. Credit cards (laughs) float between 13 and 22%. Okay. So everything that, yeah, it's it's really dependent upon what credit card you get, Mm -hmm. whether it's a low interest rate credit card or a high interest rate. I think they said, I think I read something the other day that said the average interest rate on a credit card is 20%. 20. Wow. Which is a lot. So we get excited about having a 20% discount on things. Yeah. If someone said to me, hey, Victoria, there's 20% off at Mecca, I'd be like, wow, wild. But if you're buying something on credit and then you're not paying it off within your interest-free period, you're essentially paying 20% more for that item. And that's 20% more each month. That's not 20% total and you can pay that 20% over a long period Uh, of time. That is 20% for each credit card bill that you receive. Wow. So if you started with 2000 then it was 2200 then it would be 20% on top of that and then on top of that. It does compound over time. So Crazy. if you look at like compounding, which uh-huh. is something that happens with interest and it's why investment is so important, right? Because it compounds over time. If you take that graph, and I know you guys probably don't have it in your head, but if you take a <laughs> compound interest graph, which is a graph that grows over time and looks really interesting mm-hmm. and flip it upside down, that's what happens to credit card debt. 
So it starts off really small and it compounds over time because that interest compounds. Scary. Terrifying. And I think, if I'm I just honest. think it's important to be aware of that because I think sometimes with advertising for those things, it says like interest free and don't pay anything now and all these things. But then once you do have to start paying the interest, it can make a really big impact on your savings. Yeah. And I think you need to have a little bit of a think about why you're choosing to use a credit card as mm. well. So I think there are. I think it's really important to acknowledge that there are people that rely on credit cards to get by mm. and there are situations where, you know, if you need to go to the doctor and you don't have the of cash, course. like that is something that I think, you know, that's a really fantastic tool for them to mm. be able to use. Or rent or Ex- exactly. necessities. Exactly. If you are putting things on your credit card that are necessities, I, I'm all for you mm. using a tool that helps you survive. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting shoes on a credit card <laughs> instead of saving up for them, that's when I start start having an issue with it because firstly I go well why didn't you just pay for pay with that Mm. with cash and secondly I go well why would you think that you know you're going to be able to afford it later if you can't afford it now yeah exactly what about fees on accounts what do you have to look out for? So fees on bank accounts are an interesting one. I would recommend, and this is completely general advice once again, but there are so many bank accounts that have no fees. Yep. So why don't you have a bank account that has no fees? Love that. I, I just, I don't know why you'd be paying fees on a bank account for someone to hold onto your savings for you. Um the banks have, you know, they've dropped their interest rates recently and that's okay. So, you know, high interest savings accounts are not making as much Mm. as they previously were, but there are bank accounts that are free and will pay you a really good interest rate. Why would you pay someone to hold your money for you? Of course. So if you are getting a lot of fees through your account, maybe contact your bank or have a look around. That's a good tip for people to, you know, finish listening to the podcast and then go and check. Mm. If you guys have fees on your bank accounts, maybe have a think about changing because it's just not worth it. How do you change? How do you research? There are a number of websites that compare banking products Mm -hmm. um, and I'd just do a quick Google. Um, Also, there's a whole heap of conversation, not to plug my own Facebook group again. There are so many women in the Facebook group who have asked that question Mm -hmm. and heaps of recommendations there that people can follow of women who have had experiences with those bank accounts. Fantastic. So what about super? So I... Not anymore, but I had a super account when I was waitressing and then I had a super account from the hospital and then I had a super account through my agency and they were all different. Yeah, that's so common. Lately, I put them all together because I found out about the fees. Yes, good. But what, why do we need to think about our super now? Why should we care about super right now? Um, because it's it's such a boring topic mm. um, and I don't think many people want to talk about it. Superannuation is a tax vehicle. So it's not necessarily an investment. It is, you know, a little structure that exists that has less tax than most people pay mm-hmm. and enables you to save for your retirement. And all the money that goes into your superannuation, because you'll probably have a superannuation account, mm-hmm. is invested on your behalf. Okay. And the purpose of having investments in your your name in your superannuation account is so that you can fund your retirement. So we have a retirement age here in Australia of 65 years and that is so far away so mm. like so boring to talk about but what you do today is going to impact the way you retire. And when you retire, you need to have enough money to survive off. Mm. And if you start investing 
now or when you're younger, you have so much more power. So an example of that is if you are 20 years old and you have the ability to save $500 a month Mm -hmm. and you invested that over the long term, once you're at the age that you're able to retire, you'd have an investment portfolio of about $1.3 million. Wow. That's a lot of money. Mm. If you calculate how much that is in savings, that's actually only $240,000 between the age of 20 and 65. That's $240,000. And the rest of that is interest that you earned on that money for investing for such a long time. Okay. And that would be through your super. So not just through your super, that's an investment, but superannuation is an investment. Mm -hmm. So the exact same thing is happening in your super account. So whatever you're contributing, and you'll probably be contributing 9.5% because that's the default rate here Mm -hmm. in Australia, will be invested on your behalf. So it's important to take charge of one, where your investments are. If there are multiple places, you're paying multiple fees for someone to do exactly the same thing. So say your investment fees are $100 a year, but you have three accounts, you're now paying $300 a year instead. Like that, that could be in your, because that comes out of your super, yes, doesn't it? The fees, it and you don't pay for it. And I think because with that, for me personally, it never came out of my account. I didn't even log into my super. I didn't know where it was. Yeah. And so for that reason, I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just leave it. But I no, mean, that, that, that money adds up every single year. Yeah. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that as much as we you know, don't want to talk about super right mm. now, it is 9.5% of your income. So you are being paid this money. It's just that you can't touch it until you are older. Like this is your money. You need to start caring about it now because a lot of people don't have the capacity to save 9.5%. Like I wish that when I was in uni, (laughs) I was able to save 9.5% of my income. And in reality, I was doing that through my super funds. I just never thought about it and didn't care about it. You don't really have a choice. Pardon? You don't have a choice. They just take it out. (laughs) I didn't. They just take it out. But that's because the government enforces it. So you can't not pay super. But at the end of the day, that is 9.5% of your income. And you should really care about that. Mm. And so what we can do now, anyone listening, is the government has a website, don't they, where you can check... Yes. So my gov website, which is the website that has like your Medicare details and your tax information on it, that has the ability to look up your super and you can see how many different super accounts that you have. Because I'm a financial advisor, I can't tell you to pick a specific one, Mm -hmm. but have a read through all of the super accounts and make sure that you're making, you know, the right decision for you or talk to a financial advisor about which account you should go with. Um, and have a look at consolidating them instead of having five accounts, maybe go down to one because instead of paying five fees, you're going to be paying one. Perfect. And that that's, I mean, if you just look at them and then put them into one and do a bit of research, it doesn't actually take that long, but it can make a really big difference in the long run. Exactly. And there are things in your superannuation account like insurances that you need to take into consideration as well because those fees are coming out of your super as well. So there are so many things you're paying for if you have multiple accounts that you've got double up of like if you've got life insurance in one super account you're gonna have and you have it in another like why are you paying for two 
like you you don't need to and I think that by consolidating now means you're going to have more money down the track and that's a really positive thing very positive thank you I think it's so important it's another thing in school you just don't learn about and all of a sudden you have these super forms coming in yeah, the and, mail and, you and you it's like what it, is you're this not sure why yes. why do I have to pay super I remember in my first job they were like oh here's here's you know your employment pack and you've got your tax forms and I was like cool mm-hmm. I, know, I know I have to pay tax and I remember getting a super form and it was like the default I think I was with rest or something yes it was like the retail one or retail or hospitality I can't remember and I was like what's rest I don't understand yes. why do I have to sign these forms and I didn't return them and the payroll girl came back to me and was like hey you need to give me your super forms and I remember I really remember thinking like why I don't I don't want to pay that and <laughs> obviously now I know a lot better but at the point I, at that point in time I really didn't understand why I had to do this and mm. I think that if people can understand when they're younger they can make decisions for themselves that really compound over time yes yeah, so I think it's so important and especially even if you don't grow up in a household where you discuss because some people can talk about super and things like that with their family and they might be really educated on it but if that's not the case it's just really important to empower yourself with that knowledge yeah and and that's something that I think is really important to talk about as well I touched on money stories before and the importance of them and understanding where you come from and what you're doing the money stories of other people and the way you grow up does not have to be the money story you have into the future like you have all the power in the world to change that money story but you do have to take action like you do have to put it as a priority and start doing little things that'll have a big impact down down the line well I love that thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom I think everyone will take so much from that no thank you (laughs) and if people want to find you they can find you on Instagram they can and then you can find me at she's on the money AUS or if you don't want to find me on Instagram <laughs> you can look up the she's on the money Facebook group um, and join that we have lots of conversation about money and about our money wins and our money confessions sometimes <laughs> um, and it's a really nice space to be and of course listen to your podcast as well which is awesome you could if you would like <laughs> <laughs> thank you no thank you for having me So we hope you guys enjoyed that chat. But now, what's the time for, Lizzie? Question of the week, and it's from Kate, and it is, if you could only live with one product for the rest of your life, which one would it be? I'm guessing, is she talking about kick products or beauty products? Beauty. How do you know? Makeup slash hair. Okay. That's how I interpret it. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, like, for example, if you choose a moisturizer, you don't have a hairbrush. I get that. If you um, choose mascara, this is very broad. You never have shampoo. Um, I'm gonna say toothpaste. Is that a beauty product? <laughs> I don't know. That's very broad. Well, are you gonna brush your teeth with your finger? Okay, let's let's pick one that is skincare. One that is makeup. I think that's gonna be okay. and, and just rule out health things. And let's like just tooth, assume toothpaste. we own a hairbrush yeah, and toothpaste because my hair gets real naughty. Yeah, cool. So, <laughs> Laura, what about makeup for you? What's your no, one? I ask you first. Oh, God. Okay, fine. Number one, skin care would definitely be moisturizer. So you'd rather have dirty skin? How are you going to wash it? I'll just wash it with water. Are you going to remove water from my life? 99%. Yeah, I am. 99% of skin blockage is caused by not washing your face properly. Yeah, but I'll I just saw that use on TV. a lot of water and a flannel <laughs> and I'll be fine. Um, I don't have a flannel. And then... What? <laughs> and then makeup wise? Can I guess who you? Okay. 
Eyebrow brush. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's random. <laughs> I think mascara. Second to mascara would be bronzer. You only got to choose one. Well, I've chose two. Okay, so Steph gets mascara and... Possibly a bronzer. A moisturiser, no face wash. I'm going to go with face wash, okay. except that my skin will be very dry, but yeah. I will make a natural product with the avocado. So I'll moisturise my face with my veggies okay, <laughs> and my coconut oil and I'll wash my face. And then I will, for makeup, get an eyebrow brush. That is so not what you would pick. Swear to God. I mean, yeah, I do. I swear. What? I swear. I swear. Because every morning I brush my eyebrows up because they go like really down and I, then I feel like I'm ready. Oh, Very okay. simple solution. Nice. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, that was a fun one, wasn't it? Um, if you guys want to uh, hear from us again, make sure you tune in every Wednesday. We'll drop a new podcast. We're also on Instagram at laura.henshaw, at Steph Smith, and, of course, Keep It Cleaner. And you can visit our website, www.keepitcleaner.com.au. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.